0: morning everyone lovely to see you whether you 're joining us in person it 's great to see more and more people joining us in person also welcome to everyone who 's joining us online it's uh, it 's wonderful that that we 're now uh, a two congregation sort of a church you know our our in person folks now online um, the subtitle of this series is the art of leaving and um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when you're in a mall, sometimes the art of leaving is a little bit complicated. So what's happened to me, and maybe this has happened to you, is that you you know that you're walking this way, then you walk into Old Navy or whatever it is, you know, it's got to be in my budget so let's say old navy you know we usually don't go up to the third floor unless it's for the food court which has now changed so that's even more complicated um but uh we so i would walk into old navy i i i know i'm walking this way i walk out and i keep going the other way intending to go down to the first floor only to realize i've exited old navy the wrong way and i've entered into the flow of traffic and i know that for me to get down to the first floor i need to find either some stairs or one of those kind of floor to floor escalators or that magic escalator that takes you all the way down which is absolutely amazing only it's now over there it's not the way that i was heading because i turned out of old navy the wrong way and uh it's and the way that i turn out the store really affects my experience you know uh, either it's I'm, I'm straight down onto the first floor within a few seconds, or I have to walk all the way around trying to find. It feels like a game of snakes and ladders. You know, is that the escalator that goes down? Is it the one that goes up? I, you know, I'm not sure. And uh, and half of me just wants to jump on that escalator going up and run all the way down uh, because it would be faster. Um, but it's but that's kind of like life, right? Is that um, Every situation it's like we're walking out of our store and we have a choice to turn left or right. And But it's not just about escalators in life. Really, the choice that we all face is whether we're going to rely on ourselves or whether we're going to trust God, right? Uh, if, 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 if you can break down every situation of your life, if you can really boil it down as a Christian, uh, you, know, you know, or even someone who's searching or seeking, is that it really comes down to, am I going to trust God or am I going to rely on myself? So I'd like you to imagine your life as a series of forks in the road, just stretching on out into the horizon, into infinity, fork after fork after fork after fork, and you arrive at one fork and uh, and you choose, am I going to uh, rely on myself and turn left or am I going to trust God and turn right? And then you come to the next fork and you go, am I going to uh, rely on myself or am I going to trust God and the next one and the next one? And it just goes on and on and on. And you can see how the possibilities of your life branch out really depending on whether you choose to rely on yourself or whether you choose to trust God and like in them all whichever one you choose impacts uh, the quality of the life that you experience now you would never know if you if you keep choosing self-reliance you would never know what that other universe you know if we're talking about marvel multiverses right what might that other universe look like if i chose to trust god you will you will never know that because all you've experienced is self-reliance 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 and in a glorious way on the other hand if you if you keep choosing god uh you know in a wonderful way you won't know what it's like to not but Really, m- most of us actually are uh, kind of a-, a mixture of the two. We sometimes choose to trust God, and we sometimes don't, and we sometimes do, and we sometimes don't. Um, You know, there's a verse in the Bible, one of the most loved verses in the Bible, that says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. I love that. When I first read it in the New New International Version, I was like, no, it's supposed to be acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. But... I'd rather submit to God than acknowledge God. So I actually kind of like that. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And And that verse is really sums up this fork in the road, is that you can trust in the Lord, or you can lean on your own understanding. They are mutually exclusive. By choosing one, you're choosing not the other, and by choosing the other, you're choosing not the one. So you're either doing the one or the other, right or left, Um, like in the mall. You know, you can't go both left and right. If you go both left and right, you're going forwards, and then you fall over that glass partition and fall to your death, okay? So uh, that's not a possibility like it is in the spiritual life. And uh, what I've noticed in my own life is that when I choose left, okay, um, when I choose my own way, when I choose self-reliance, what happens is I end up complaining. Okay, I end up complaining. And I end up in a bad space, and I end up actually blaming God for the place that I find myself in. My life is really gets rather ugly, and my thoughts get rather ugly and nothing is ever good enough. And um, in the end, that, you know, that kind of internal ugliness can turn into anger against God. And, uh, and But really, it's my own choice because I walked out and I turned left. And I kept turning left instead of right. However, uh, when I choose to trust God... It always results in praise, and it always results in worship, and it always results in peace. Because, uh, because what happens, you know, to use maybe another picture, is that when we turn right, when we're trusting God, if you view life as a spiral staircase, when we choose right, we're kind of moving upwards and outwards into God. Okay, And and it just gets wider and wider and wider. Uh, However, when we turn left, when we choose self-reliance, what happens is we're on this spiral staircase down, and it gets narrower and narrower and narrower as we go down into ourselves, kind of turning in on ourselves over and over and over again. Last week, um, Reverend... Krista Shaver said something related uh, and it was so good that I wrote it down and this is what I wrote down. She said this, that standing still, which is like trusting God in Proverbs 3, is not doing nothing. She said standing still is the biggest something that you can do. When we are still, when we don't get in God's way, we see him work in ways that we never could have imagined. And when we choose this left road of complaining we're more likely to choose complaining over and over again we're more likely to choose self-reliance and so uh you know uh, after choice after choice of complaining we end up becoming these self-fulfilling prophecies of people who are bitter who are small-minded who complain our worlds become small and ugly but when we, choose to tr- when we choose to trust God, when we choose that right fork, when we kind of move up that spiral staircase, um, we experience God's faithfulness, which makes it easier to trust him next time and the next time and the next time. And folks like this at the end of their lives, you might know some of them. They are large-hearted, they are expansive, they are generous, and they are joyful, even though they've gone through hard times because they've chosen to trust God each time they've had a choice and they've kept moving upwards and outwards into the greatness and the grandness of who he is. So right at the core of this is, is this truth that God provides. Let's all say that together. Ready? One, two, three, God provides. Okay but we have to let him. And this morning in our text, Exodus 16 through 19, we're going to look at three ways that God provides for his people. And as you're listening to these, I want you to imagine, am I turning left my own way, self-reliance, complaining, or am I going to turn right into God's provision for me? So where are we in the story so far? Well, um, last week we you know we learned that the uh, that. That the Israelites, the Hebrews left Egypt, they then crossed the Red Sea, and, as Krista said last week, right, they kept calm and they carried on, uh, but now, um, after the crossing of the Red Sea or the crossing of the Sea of reeds, something has shifted in them. they are facing this fork in this metaphorical road, and they have to choose: do they choose to trust God, um, or do they choose complaining, do they choose self reliance and 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 like I said I, I hope that this morning we're going to look over the shoulders of the Hebrews, we're going to look over the shoulders of the Israelites, and that we're going to relate to at least one of these things. So keep your heart and mind open to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. Lord, uh, we, we know that, um, you, that, that your word is life. Your word is a sharp sword. Uh, we know, Lord God, that you can cut right to the heart of the matter. And so, Lord God, may you do that in our lives this morning. Amen. So here are three ways from our text that God provides for us. First, God provides for our daily needs. Secondly, God provides for our rest. And thirdly, God provides for our workload. So he provides for our daily needs, he provides for our rest, and he provides for our workload. So first, he provides for our daily needs. Let's turn to Exodus 16, verse 1. Exodus 16 verse 1 says this uh, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of sin which is awesome, I just love that that's called that, of course it means nothing but I'd love to preach I'm sure pastors have preached sermons on the desert of sin um, but that's just what, what it was called, and uh, which was between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month um, after they had come out of Egypt so remember that they have a New calendar, right? And so, 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 so this this is all reflecting this this new calendar, this new start that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Uh, this is, uh, I think, we're going to move on to 16 verse 3. The Israelites said to them, "If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and." Eat all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death, which is insane. Like, Can you hear the insanity of the complaining? They're saying, we wish that God had killed us while we were full of food in slavery. That would have been a good way to die. And then, But then we see God's grace in verse 4. He says, Then uh, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Uh, The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. Okay, I want us to hear that. I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So that... That phrase, God is doing this thing, and he's doing it as a test. He wants to see, he's curious as to how they respond. And then in chapter 17, they leave the desert of sin. They camp at Rephidim. And here the issue is not lack of food, but lack of water. Exodus 17 verse 2 says this, So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord... To the test, but the people were thirsty um, for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, "Here it is again, this this stuck record. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our cho- to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst?" So we have to remember something, right? Is that not that long ago? Maybe a couple of months, maybe even weeks. Is that they witnessed, you know, the ten plagues and they've seen the pillar of cloud, and they've just witnessed the wiping out of the Egyptian army, they've had the manna, they've had the quail, and they still don't trust God to provide for their daily needs. And then 17 verse 5 says this, The Lord answered Moses, Go out into the front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, there's a question as to how many people are in this group, but Exodus 12, 37 says that there were 600,000 men. Uh, so, you know, plus women and children, it could be up to 2 million. Some people say 3 million. Um, but, but when we think of this water coming out of the rock, this isn't a water fountain in the mall that you're nicely and politely lining up for um, after COVID, right? Um, this isn't that. This is... Um, Think fire hydrant under pressure times by ten thousand, okay This is something incredible if you 're going to water all of those all of those folks um, but w- what we see in these moments with the manna and then with the uh, or with the hunger and the thirst is that we have a problem and we have a need and we have a temptation, and then we have god 's answer and the um, the problem is hunger and thirst, is their daily needs. Um, the, the need uh, which would meet that is food and drink. Their temptation is to complain instead of trusting God. And God's answer is supernatural food and water. Uh, and it's, it's really cool because God provides for, for their daily food needs through this thing called manna, which if you were to translate that into English, it simply means, what is that? So they're eating, what is that? And... <laughs> every, you know, you know, 40 years, they were eating, what is that? And they never came up with a better word for it. Uh, and then they also eat quail, uh, which in um, later on in, in the book of maybe Deuteronomy or Numbers, I think, is said that they were up to three feet high on the ground. So that's a lot of quail and water from a rock. Now... Um, Right before we move on, I want to draw your attention to one of my favorite connections in the Bible. When I first recognized this years ago, it blew me away, okay? Um, Verse 7 of chapter 17 says this, and he, Moses, called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Okay, so that's the reality is that they're there and they're going is the Lord among us or not we're not sure which is insane because clearly he's shown them but the answer to that question is the Lord among us or not is found in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2 and Paul is reflecting on this very moment and Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2 he says they were all, all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ wow so isn't that amazing that they're saying is the Lord among us or not and the answer is yes because Jesus is in your midst I don't even know what that is. Is this a pre-incarnation showing of Jesus? He shows up as a rock and he moves around with them? I'm not sure, but it's worth looking into. But clearly Jesus was there with them because that rock accompanied them and that rock was Christ. And so as you look at your life and your, your needs of the day, right? Um, let me ask you this. Are you trusting God for your daily needs? or are you complaining? Secondly, God provides for our rest. He, he provides for our daily needs and He provides for our rest. You see, uh, the Israelites had known nothing but slavery for many generations, uh, most likely not the full 400 years, but at some point in the 430 years that they were there in Egypt, they were enslaved. And, uh, and so for, for many generations they'd known nothing but slavery, but After leaving slavery, it wasn't easy to shake the slavery mindset. You see, it's easy to get the person out of Egypt, but it's harder to get Egypt out of the person. And uh, I can't imagine that in Egypt that they had long weekends, you know, days off, uh, mental health days, probably not a lot of those going on. And so when the manna starts to come down, God says to them, only take what you need for the day. But, you know, the people are so excited because there's this, what is it coming from, you know, the sky. And so they take more than they need, like the toilet roll. I realize we're referencing those toilet rolls a lot over the past few weeks. But, but then they have this hoarded manna uh, in their tents just in case. Because we don't know if God's going to show up tomorrow. Uh, and we don't want to run out. But then the manna gets stinky and smelly overnight. And so the people go, well, we know now how this works. Only take enough manna for the day. But then the Lord says, Yes, you're right, except on the night before the Sabbath. That's actually different. Exodus 16 verse 4. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, here it is, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. You heard that, right? That on day six you 're to gather twice as much. Why is this so that you can rest on the Sabbath and from this this moment onwards, in, in fact, right from the creation story, Sabbath is a big deal you know it 's there in the Ten Commandments um, you know that breaking the Sabbath brings god 's judgment. In the prophetic books, Jesus talks about the Sabbath. Paul talks about the Sabbath. And yet we, smart people living in the 21st century, seem to wink it off. God doesn't really mean that. That's legalism. Um, but, but, you know, the Sabbath is, is there because God knows that his people need rest. And it was there as well to remind his people that they are no longer slaves, right? That that they had the option of resting, that they didn't have to work. Instead, on that seventh day, what they got to do was to trust Him. They could have a day off with God and be with Him and be filled by Him. And so Sabbath, friends, is such a wonderful gift to each and every one of us. So my, my question for you is, are you living Sabbath in your household? And how are you living out Sabbath in your household? And let me say this to you, is that according to Scripture, if you're not, then you're a slave. You're still living with a slave mindset that I have to meet my own needs and so God provides for our daily needs he also provides for our rest and so you can both see how these are linked right Um, so as we choose this right fork in the road by trusting God to meet our daily needs we resist complaining and then we actually see that we can pause once a week for 24 hours and rest in him because we know that God will provide Hebrews 4 verse 9 says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. So actually, Sabbath isn't legalism, right? Because it's saying that if you enter God's rest, you rest from your works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. I love that. Let's make effort to enter rest. Let's make effort. You know, on the sixth day, you had to to gather twice as much. You're making an effort to enter that rest on the seventh day so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So, remember Krista's word, right? Nothing is sometimes the biggest something that you can do. Nothing is sometimes the biggest something that you can do, make every effort to enter that rest. So God provides for our daily needs. He provides for our rest. And lastly, he provides for our workload. Okay, Moses had a community of 600,000 men plus women and children uh, who were known as complainers. That was their reputation. Okay, and I'm glad that I have a smaller church of people who are mostly not complainers uh, and so I can't imagine what what it was like and the way that Moses had set up this system was that he was responsible to address all of the complaints and the judgments of that entire nation that entire nation and so his problem was overwork and what he needed to learn was how to delegate but you know I'm sure it's not just a man thing, but I'm a man. I can speak from the perspective as a man, is that there's a temptation to have self-reliance and uh, this, this feeling of, only I can do this. You know, this kind of self-importance thing. And so what, what God's answer to Moses was, was wise mentoring from his uncle Jethro. Okay, Jethro comes along and he sees this insane scenario of Moses being the only judge in the whole of the nation, and he looks at Moses, and he says this in Exodus eighteen verse seventeen. He says, uh, "What you are, what you are doing, is not good." You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out, okay? It's not just Moses who gets worn out. It's the people who are coming to him are getting worn out as well. He says, the, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. I that. That, that's awesome, he says, I give you advice and may God be with you God is speaking through his uncle and so through, through Jethro's example this workload gets split up among many people and here's a thing which I've learned as a, you know, as a pastor who's pastored for many years is that when someone is given meaningful responsibility within the church they generally stop complaining so who do you have speaking wisdom into your life? Who do you have who can look at your life, at how it's laid out, okay? Maybe you, you don't know any, you know, you don't know any different, right? But who do you have who can come to you and say, you know what? In Christ and in love, I want to say to you that this is not good. This is not right. How you are living is not sustainable. It is not good, and so God, you know, in a supernatural way, he he comes along with this food and this drink, and then and then with this slave mentality, he comes along supernaturally and he establishes this Sabbath. But now, with Moses' overwork and Moses' workload, what instead God does is he provides through someone else. So let me ask you again: Who? Do you have who you have given the right and the permission to kind of act as a prophet into your life and say this is not good? Because maybe God is speaking through them. Now, as I look at the Israelites, I see us and I see myself and so Exodus 16 through 19 there's a lot in here we haven't even looked at some amazing parts um, but it's like a mirror that we hold up in front of us when we see ourselves it reflects us and so instead of counting our blessings uh, and in, instead of trusting God we turn left and we complain uh, instead of receiving God's gift of rest through the Sabbath We live with this slave-like mentality of work, work, work. I'm only as good as my workload, as my output. Our phones are on. They're never off. And instead of of receiving God's gift of wisdom through mentors, we've learned to press on through life alone, um, trying to solve problems life's problems by ourselves. But who knows, maybe someone else has a better idea that's not you. Sometimes, you know, we can't see the forest because of the trees. And like Moses, we walk around with the weight of the world on our shoulders uh, instead of letting someone in who can speak wisdom, truth, and life into our lives. You see, friends, if we don't have God speaking into our life, if we don't have other people speaking into our lives, all that we're left with is our own narrative. Um, and our own narrative becomes our own perspective. And our own perspective quickly becomes truth, right? We, we hear this all, all the time nowadays. Speak your truth. Live your truth. But what if your truth is only a perspective? What if it's not the whole thing? Um, and so in Exodus 16 through 19, we see these perspectives, right? We're hungry, therefore God doesn't care. We're thirsty, therefore God doesn't care. We're tired, therefore God doesn't care. We are overworked, therefore God doesn't care. But friends, that wasn't the truth. That was their perspective. Um, because really, there's only one truth, right? And, the, and, and this truth as it pertains to them is Exodus Three, verse 7 where God this is the truth okay you, you have their perspective over here and now you have God speaking truth and he says I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey So back in Exodus 3, God promises that he will see them through to the end. And he does the same for us. But the journey, like like we heard with that uh, Romans 8 passage that Wendy referenced, sometimes the journey does not look like we think it should. Uh, And there are detours and there's moments where, you know, the water's bitter and there are obstacles and there's valleys and there's cliff edges. Life isn't easy. And every time that life doesn't turn out the way that you think it should. You are at a fork in the road. And the choice is to actively trust God or to choose self-reliance and to complain. So as we wrap up, Uh, Exodus 19... has this wonderful image of Moses uh, finally arriving at Mount Sinai and he goes up to meet with God himself, which is such a beautiful picture of God's grace that uh, God chooses to bless his complaining people with his presence, with himself. And next week we'll look at the Ten Commandments that Moses receives from God. But what I want us to be left with at this moment is this image of, uh, of God looking at his complaining people, saying, I choose to be with you. I still choose you. And so in light of all that we've heard this morning, uh, and let me read some words from uh, Exodus chapter 19 verse 1. If you do have a Bible on your phone or uh, as a physical copy, please turn to it. This is eight verses and it's worth us hearing it. Exodus 19 verse 1 says this, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they had set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai. An and Israel camped there in the desert in the front of the mountain. Like I say many times, uh, try to have this image in your mind. If it helps you to have your eyes closed, have them closed. But, um, so they camp in the desert of Sinai and the mountain is there in front of them. And then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to Moses from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words of the Lord, all all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. And then they obviously went out into the people and the people responded all together, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will do everything the Lord has said. So friends, you are not enough. You are not enough you are not sufficient you are not all that you need if you spiral downwards inside yourself you will come to the end of yourself so fast you need god and you need you need others and so this morning you know who is your jethro who is your mentor how is how how can you trust god that he will meet all of your needs every day you know your food and your drink how can you trust him there And how can you trust him with rest that you can actually take one day off a week? Um, You know, it's, you know, we think, right, if I don't put food on my table, if I don't plan for my kids' higher education, if I don't save for this future disaster that may or may not happen, then who will? But friends, God's You know that God's gift to you is His daily provision. God's gift to you is wise mentors, and God's gift to you is Sabbath—24 hours each week of enjoying Him. And uh, this is how we remember that we're no longer slaves, but we've actually been freed in Christ. So, as you look at this fork in your head as you're walking out of Old Navy you're trying to figure out, are you going to turn left or right? Are you going to walk down into yourself or are you going to walk up into the expansiveness of God? Um, I encourage you this morning to look at God and to say to him in faith, we will do everything that the Lord has said.